Hi everybody, it's Gershom Aitchison with another EduThink podcast. Today I have a guest, Chelsea Williamson. She's from iSchool Africa and iStore Education, and she's in charge of disability inclusion in that space. That also is a lot of words. Can you explain exactly what you guys do in that space and what iStore Education is and the differentiation between iSchool Africa, please? Absolutely. So first I'll start off with the distinction between the two. So both organizations, companies are education focused where we integrate technology into schools. The difference is iStore Education is for schools that can typically afford to purchase this technology themselves. iSchool Africa, we target schools in rural and township areas and special needs schools that can't afford this technology themselves. So we partner with amazing uh, partners and funders who give us the support to be able to implement these programs in the most under-resourced schools in South Africa. Um, So I'm really fortunate that I get to work within both those organizations. And my role within them is supporting people with disabilities from the youngest age, children with disabilities, disabilities across the board, vision disabilities, hearing, physical, motor, cognitive disabilities, um, supporting them using technology to overcome barriers that children with disabilities might be faced with on a daily basis. And then I also support um, the higher education space. We've got an app development program where we upskill people with disabilities to study app development and hopefully gain meaningful employment because there's some scary statistics around the unemployment of people with disabilities in South Africa and then also working with adults with disabilities in using technology as well to overcome barriers that they might be faced with on a daily basis. Disability is a very strong word and listening to you the first images that came into mind was people with one eye, people with hearing loss, people with hearing aids, people with one arm. That's how we understand disability. Mm -hmm. But in the space of Apple, it means more than just that. Can you talk a little bit about how you label disability and what you see it as and what the aim is with Apple's approach to the disability inclusion and what sphere that covers? What does that universe look like for you? So I think first off, I want to start by saying globally, 15% of the global population is people with disabilities. And I think people underestimate how many people with disabilities there are worldwide. And they also don't have a good enough understanding of what a disability is. So the legal definition of a disability is a long-term reoccurring impairment that prevents somebody from being able to access life to the fullest on an equal basis as others. And this includes something as simple as being able to enjoy life to the fullest. So thinking of your social activities just as much as the education space, as much as employment and everything. And I, I love that definition because it allows you to understand that a disability is not the thing that we immediately think of. It's not the barriers, but it's actually allowing people to see that beyond those barriers as a person. So that's quite generalized. What do you mean by disabilities? You, as I said, in my mind, it's somebody with a hearing aid or, you know, sight impairment or a walking stick or something like that. What do you guys consider to be a disability? So those are all disabilities. Um, And a disability is anybody who has something, a barrier that prevents them from being able to enjoy life to the fullest. It could be anything, something as small as, not small, but something as what people have deemed to be trivial, but dyslexia and autism. So you've got your invisible disabilities as well. Those are also disabilities. ADHD, um, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, by your definition, long-term depression, things like that too? 
depression, anxiety, anxiety. definitely. Okay. Mental health, there's, uh, there are definitely disabilities. Um, in fact, the World Health Organization says that 70% of disabilities are invisible. So you might think of somebody with a hearing aid or somebody in a wheelchair, yes. but actually 70% of disabilities are invisible. It's the ones that we can't, can't see. see. With that understanding of what a disability is and how Apple sees a disability, how has Apple focused its energies to making the product that is allowing accessibility to people? And we're looking specifically at those hidden disabilities, the dysgraphia, the ADHD, the dyslexia, the dyscalculia, the anxiety. How does that work? Because it's we're in a school, and that's what we primarily focused on, the disabilities we can't see, and giving kids equal access to the learning without feeling stigmatized by it as well. So one thing I, I love about Apple, and Tim Cook, he's the CEO of Apple, he says, just like human rights are afforded to everyone, we want our products to be accessible to everyone. Yeah. And they haven't gone the traditional, okay, it's only for people with moderate to severe disabilities. They've really taken the time to research disabilities across the board and make sure that their products are accessible to absolutely everyone, including neurodiverse disabilities. And how have they done that? So... They've got a team in the different states and the different countries across the world that are actively engaging with people with disabilities and finding what are the barriers that they have and how can they use their products to overcome it. And then from their research, they've then implemented accessibility features, but they've built it into their products. And I, the reason that I say that, it's not... You don't buy an Apple product and then you go and download an app and wait for it to install and you need Wi-Fi out of the box... When you open that device out of the box, you are able to start turning on accessibility features. So it's embedded in the iOS of it's Apple products. It's embedded in the iOS uh, products. Brilliant. And it's, you can turn it on as simple as just using your voice cool. and saying, please turn this on. Right. You can ask Siri to turn on an accessibility feature. So it's not difficult to, you don't need somebody to help you turn it on. You yeah. don't need somebody to help you set it up. Independently, people with disabilities can turn on their accessibility features and use it straight out of the box. Does that include things like color blindness and the different um, continuums on there so that people can better see what they are looking at? Absolutely. So there's a, a accessibility feature called color filters, yes. which is directly used for people who are colorblind. Okay. And then it lists the different types of color blindness because there's yes. not one type of color blindness. Sure. It lists the different types. And depending on your color blindness that you have, you select the different color filters and adjust the color filters on the iPad to suit your vision. EduInc's tech philosophy is quite diverse. A lot of schools will go, I'm an Apple school or I'm a Google school or I'm a Microsoft school. And I know one of the conversations I had very early on with Michelle was that EduInc is not going to be specifically a one-horse race, as it were. You know, we have Google as a, as a backdrop. It's very good for managing. And we use Chromebooks because they are quite easy to use and manage. But for us, the go-to with students that have got um, access issues, what you guys call disabilities – is Apple. We find that the golden standard for us is an, is an iPad that you can use an Apple Pencil with and attach a keyboard because we don't want them typing on the screens. Mm. And because it links in very well with Google and the storage in Google Space, Google Classroom and all of that, it's very good for the kids. And it's just a photograph mm. of, a, of a, an analog piece of paper that mm. can be transformed into a digital space and then they can type and work and manipulate on it. And they can create their digital um, workbooks in their shared folders that teachers can access and things like that. We see that Apple is that, and I'm sure we are using and just scratching the surface of it. Um, and it would be very interesting 
to hear about how you guys are training teachers to understand all those accessibility features so that kids just normally in a classroom without even disrupting with a bit of training can seamlessly integrate into a class where other kids are using pen and paper or using Chromebooks to type on and things like that. Yeah, my approach generally when I when I approach school is I, I like to custom make my training. Sure. Because I also understand that no school, even if you have two schools that cater for the same disability, sure. they're going to have different needs. Sure. And every child is also different. Sure. So I like to, first of all, custom make each package, but also give each school the opportunity to see all of the accessibility features. That's good, yeah. Because what I've seen in my experience is if I go into a school, for example, that has neurodiverse disabilities and I only show them speak screen, dictation, you know, your text-to-speech, your speech-to-text accessibility features, your color filter for learners with dyslexia, then they get a low vision child and all of a sudden they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. So if I expose them to all of the accessibility features, it really helps them get that holistic uh, understanding of the accessibility features, first of all. And second of all, nine times out of 10 in my training, when I show all of the accessibility features, teachers start coming forward to me going, actually, I am colorblind. Actually, I am hard of hearing. Actually, and I get to start working with the teachers supporting them as well as supporting the learners. That's that's a fair point and I think a very important one. You know, it's not just the kids, it's the teachers as well. Mm. Chelsea, it sounds like you bring a toolbox in, you unpack the whole toolbox and show us all the tools and then try and get us to use more than just the hammer to solve every single problem. Absolutely. We don't need the entire toolbox every single time we service the car or if there's a problem with the car, as it were, if we extend the metaphor. But I think the biggest challenge is teaching people to realize that the toolbox is not just screwdrivers and hammers. There's a lot more other specialized tools for the job. Absolutely. Um, And somebody who works with tools and works with my hands, the right tool for the job always makes the quality of the outcome better and more certain and makes the actual process of using that tool or, you know, the task that you're in a lot easier to use as well. Yeah, absolutely. Can you, off the top of your head, I might be putting you on the spot, link a couple of neurodiverse um, barriers or disabilities with a couple of apps that are easy to use in the classroom, for example? Definitely. So um, being neurodiverse myself, I use these accessibility features on a daily basis. Sure. Um, so I love talking about them. You're never putting me on the spot. Good. So my, my absolute favorite one is it's called spoken content. Sure. So spoken content is broken down into speak screen and speak selection. What that means is speak screen. If I want to read a book, a whole paragraph, a whole page, I just swipe my fingers down, two fingers from the top of the screen, and all that text in that document will be read aloud to me. If I don't want to read the whole document, I can just highlight the sentence or highlight the word or highlight whatever the paragraph that I'm wanting to be read aloud, say speak, and it will just read that portion to me. Other things you can do is you can highlight a specific word and say spell. So fantastic for your learners with dyslexia, especially your auditory learners that need things read aloud to them. They they can have those words read aloud to them. You can also highlight a word and say look up. So it'll give you the definition of that word. This has helped me so much, especially having dyslexia myself. I'll sometimes read something and I'll know that I know a word, but I don't know what the word is. So if I highlight it and I say, look up, it gives me that dictionary definition. And then I know I can continue reading from there. So that speak screen and spoken content, which is ultimately text to speech. Then there's dictation, which is speech to text. It allows me to push a button on my keyboard and then I can speak into my device using punctuation. Um, it speaks 
emojis and all of that as well. So I can speak however I want to. And as I speak, whatever I say will be typed for me. So I have one question about the speak to text. Yeah. Traditionally, and you, you see it on, on, you know, as a joke on movies and things, when you say something, you know, phone mom and it phones Bob, you know, instead of order a, a pizza and it's phoning <laughs> Uncle Joe, you know. <laughs> Over the years, I think the algorithms around mm. speech to text you used to have to train it. Is it still train? Do you still have to train it? Does it have to figure out your own voice and your nuances and how you clip some of your words and things, or is it a lot more easy and reliable when it comes to speech to text? So everybody speaks differently, and also. Products like this, they were designed overseas where they have a completely different accent, they have completely different dialects, sure. and then we have to take into account that nobody speaks the same, right? So yes, there is an element of learning, but what's so beautiful about Apple is the whole Apple ecosystem has AI in it. Mm. But even if you have multiple devices, let's say you have an iPhone, an iPad, an Apple Watch, they all speak to each other. So it's not that my iPhone is learning once, then my Apple Watch is learning twice, and then my iPad's learning again. Because you're all on the same Apple ID, it learns your voice. So it, it matches your profile. Exactly. And kind of individualizes your profile to your specific needs. Exactly. Does that extend to things like the color blindness choices that you make and things like that. Yes. So okay. Apple has a feature called handoff, okay. which ultimately means if I'm using one device, I set it up the way that I want it to be set up with the accessibility features. I customize it. It's such a beautiful thing with Apple's accessibility features. You can customize speak screen. Do you want your text to be highlighted in blue, pink, orange, green, yellow? What color suits you? So you can completely customize it the way you want it to be. But if I customize it on one device, it goes across to the other devices as well so that I don't have to go and set up my accessibility features on all my devices 10 times. It allows me to do it once and sets those settings across the board. That's amazing. Wow, Chelsea, as somebody who can't spell and being a headmaster, so I try and hide that as much as possible, <laughs> I should be using my Apple a lot more. One of the things that is a global phenomenon is that we're told that the screen time with kids is a problem. And I find a lot of conversations I have with parents are about screen time, and I think we need to differentiate between what screen time is, where it is your device is being used for entertainment and escapism rather than being used as a tool. Mm. And at Edging, one of our big focuses on is that technology is not a crutch. Mm. It is a tool. Mm. You can rely on it, but sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere where you can't use the technology and you still have to be able to do what you need to do. And working on your homework, working on the technology as a tool is not necessarily a bad thing if it is enriching your life and making it fuller. It's not just shoving a screen in front of a child and allowing them to disengage. This is an engaging process. Any thoughts on that? So I believe that there's positive screen time and negative screen time, Good, which I is like exactly that differentiation. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what you're talking to. You know, there is negative screen time where somebody is mindlessly playing games or watching videos, and that is negative over long periods of time. But when we're talking about using Apple technology for children with disabilities, it's not even about screen time. We say that 
your iPad or your Apple device becomes an assistive device. Mm. And we have to acknowledge that difference. Because for a user who struggles with literacy skills, for example, to be able to hold up your iPad, take a photo of uh, a sign and then know and have that sign read aloud to you, that's life changing. That has the potential to save someone's life actually at the end of the day, give them much needed information to be able to go into the store and not be able to identify objects and then use your device to be able to help you in that process if you're struggling with communication there's a beautiful story a learner that i'm working with in cape town and he has he's non-talking autistic which means that he cannot communicate through spoken um, language so he uses his ipad as a communication device he types what he wants to be said into his device and as he types a word it gets spoken aloud for him that is That's not even screen time. That's an assistive device. That is his voice, and that has enabled him to access education on an equal basis as others. And that's the power of these devices. It's not only fun and a nice to have, but it's a necessity for a lot of these children and a lot of people with disabilities. It doesn't even have to be the same language. Because there's Google Translate for everything, even into Afrikaans, which means you can take a picture of a sign in another language, translate it to what you're doing, and it'll read it out in a language you understand. Absolutely. There's an Apple app for that, too. (laughs) There's an Apple app for everything. (laughs) It's called (laughs) iTranslate. I love that. You spoke a little bit about your own disabilities. How has this changed your life? I'm sure that you're not just, you know, you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk when it comes to using them. How's it changed your life? And you've mentioned very briefly how you've seen it change one person's life, and that's quite an extreme. But on a day-to-day, what are you seeing? How are you seeing this, the impact that is envisioned by Apple being enacted in the day-to-day? So my, my journey has been quite interesting. When I moved to South Africa, it was about halfway through high school, I was actually asked to leave the school that I attended in South Africa because they didn't know how to deal with me. Later on, when I started engaging with technology in higher education, I all of a sudden went from a child who was barely passing in high school to the top student in my class. I got 90% in my honors year at university and I've just completed my master's in law. So when I went into tertiary education, I was involved in the disability unit, which meant that I got access to technology, which really enabled me to succeed. In my honors year, I got 90%. I was top student, which in comparison to in high school, I was struggling to get by. I was told I wouldn't be able to finish school. That was a big achievement. But then when I got access to technology, was top student in my honors, and I've now just completed my master's in law and focusing on disability rights. And none of that would have been possible without access to technology. Technology has allowed others to be able to see the potential in me and me to see the potential in myself and believe in myself as well. That's amazing. You know, you are certainly walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And I'm sure that that impassions you to want to empower other students to have the Mm -hmm. same experience. One of the words that I have personally a strong feeling towards is using the word disability when it comes to kids and the neurodiversity that they have in that space. I don't want kids to think they're disabled. I want them to think that, you know, I personally believe that those challenges are part of their superpower and are going to make them stronger, better people. Why are you using the word disability? And do you think that it has a psychological impact negatively on students? I ironically think it has a positive impact. People without disabilities have made this word 
disabled or disability a swear word because they're scared of it. Mm. Because ex- going back to what we said in the beginning of the conversation, immediately they think, oh my gosh, it's somebody without an eye, it's somebody in a wheelchair. Mm. And when you take away neurodiversity from that term disability, you're actually removing people from their rights to be able to access accommodations. And like I shared in my story, when I was in school, people didn't acknowledge my disability. They didn't give me any accommodations because they didn't know what it meant or how to support me. And it was only later on in life when I got to the disability unit and I learned, oh, wait, I do actually have a disability. It's why I have this barrier. It's why I have this struggle. It's why I can't do this. But because of my disability, I can use this, I can use this, I can use this, and I can overcome those barriers. And using the word disability for me personally has empowered me to have access to my accommodations. And we actually see this conversation being had on quite an international level. Um, The United Nations, they use what's called person-first language, which means calling somebody a person with a disability. So you're acknowledging that they're a person before they have a disability. And if we all work together at removing the stigma from that word disability, we can all start to see that disability is not a swear word. It's actually such an empowering thing if you use it in the correct context. When you say things like to a child, and this is my opinion and I, I, I hope that you understand where I'm coming from, but when you say to a child, you have a superpower, it's great in school, but what happens when they reach higher education? People don't see it as a superpower. Mm. You get seen as a burden. And now all of a sudden you mm. haven't engaged with the right language to be able to describe what it is that you have and the support that you need. So you're actually setting them up to fail later on in life. And yes, I have strengths. Don't take that away from me. There are things that I can do far better than mm. anybody else because of my disability. And yes, those are my superpowers. But you can't negate the barriers mm. that I'm faced with on a daily basis as well. And I wish people engaged with me on a, on, at a very young age on mm. what my barriers are and how to overcome them rather than just focusing on my superpowers. I get that talking about the positive and ignoring the negative mm. means that it's a form of sweeping it under the carpet. Absolutely. And I suppose it also negates the opportunity for people to actually own that yeah. um, and have a voice in that space about what their needs are because they're then living up to an expectation of superpower. Yeah. I get your point. I think it's very important. Thank you. <laughs> Last question for me, Chelsea, and I'm speaking with two hats on, one that of parents and students and the other with that of educators and teachers. Mm. How do parents and students start accessing this? How do they get the devices and where do they go? They come to me. Okay. <laughs> they come to iStore Education okay. and iSchool Africa. So and where are you? Where, what, how do they reach out to you guys to start asking these questions and getting the information they need? Well, I, first of all, I would love to have conversations with anybody. This is something that we as an organization are so incredibly passionate about. Um, and we're so, we, count ourselves so fortunate that we get to empower either people with disabilities or people that have children with disabilities or work with children with disabilities. So they are more than welcome to reach out to me directly. My email address is chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at iSchoolAfrica, that's a I, school, then africa.com. And they're welcome to send me an email and then we can set up some time and see how we can better support a school or a teacher or parents. They can also look at our website, iSchoolAfrica.com, and have a look at some of the services that we can provide for schools and teachers, therapists as well. 
So I'm understanding that it's not just the devices. There's also training and an understanding of the, the tools that are available, unpacking the toolbox as we spoke about. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add and share with us? We also support schools in making that transition to being an inclusive school. A lot of schools, they want to start including children with disabilities into their ecosystem, but they don't know where to start. That's also something we would love to walk a journey with schools. Um, so they're also welcome to get in touch with me. If you're wanting to include children with disabilities but don't know where to start, let us help you on that journey. Well, thank you very much for sharing your insight, your passion, your clear passion for this. And I'm very excited that we've had this conversation and I hope it's the beginning of many more. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.